Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for the best book called A Wrinkle in Time. To help me are two high school English teachers, Ian mm. and Joseph. Hi Nick, I'm Joe Holshue. I brought the best book called A Wrinkle in Time. It's a book called A Wrinkle in Time. It was written in 1962, this version, mm. uh, by so a weird. lovely, talented woman named Madeline Lengel. L-L-E-N-G-E-L. L-E-N-G-E-L-E. I think you should, every time you say it, instead of pronouncing it, you should just spell it. Lengel. You gotta pronounce the apostrophe. apostrophe. If you don't pronounce the apostrophe, it's racist. Do you want to be one of those canceled racist authors on our our introduction? No, 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 no. Every author was at some point a racist, and so, at this point, it was Joe. (laughs) I posted a video about Cormac McCarthy, and it was like, isn't this the guy you, like, cheated on his wife? It's like, yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're all terrible. Of course hey. you did. <laughs> Except for us. We we are uh famously the authors of Too Many Butlers. Right. Well oh, maybe we should stop writing. <laughs> and we are oh no. Do you think it works that way? Yeah. Like if you become an author, you, you become a horrible it. person. Oh yes. dear. Well, famous you know, philosophers have debated for years the source of <laughs> evil in just the world. For famous authors. <laughs> the source of evil in the world is actually just famous authors. Hello, Nick. Good afternoon, Joe. Good night, Litheads. This week, my name is Dr. Ian DeYoung, and I brought the worst book named Wrinkle in Time, which is to say I didn't bring any book at all, because there is no worst book. Anyway, this guy. I love it when you guys fumble over the awkwardness of these cop-out episode introductions. It it does throw us off our rhythm. I'm a high school English teacher, and this week I will be attempting to derail and (laughs) otherwise troll this episode, and we're off to a great start, baby. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. She's an American writer, but that name doesn't look very American. Joe, what's going on here? She's an American writer. I think she married a dirty Frenchman is what I think is going on. Spoken wisely by three guys whose names are respectively Dutch, German, and Greek. It (laughs) doesn't really signify. Madeline Langle is, um, it looks French, but it's not. That's what you need to know about her. A Wrinkle in Time. Jody, what is this book? Well, okay. What is this have book, you, Joe? Have you? How much do you, do you want me to talk, or do you want to like talk? Do you want to do like the intro thing? This is a cop out. There's rules. I mean, there's there's a way we. This do is this a cop thing. out. There's rules. There, it's done. This seems like a book that um has a like if you there's a lot of things like it's been redone or mm. is there movies? So, seems like this is a large enterprise. This book is uh, famous. It is an important book for many, many people. It's also, in terms of what it is, a pretty old book. This book is written in 1962, um, which, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's older than that. But for a science fiction fantasy novel with a strong female protagonist, etc., like it's pretty Mm. old. It did. It doesn't feel old. That's the thing. When I was when I was doing my sparse, scanty research on this. I was blown away that it was 63. Like that's, that is, um, it doesn't feel like that. That's to kill a mockingbird era. It doesn't feel that. It doesn't feel that old. It feels pretty fresh. 
Okay, Nick, when I was in sixth grade, the classroom next to mine had this book on the shelf, okay? And all of the bookish kids were reading it, okay? It had a weird name. Kids had a hard time describing what it was about. There was like witches in it. Maybe there were angels. There was time travel. Like there was all this like wacky stuff. That year though, I never read that book. And this for my entire life has been like, a book that I missed out on. Oh, I, interesting. I would imagine, like, the Nick, one who got you, away. You know, you've missed out on many books, but uh, Ian, <laughs> you must have books like this in your life. Like, just holes in your... in your. I call them sh- my shame list. Shame oh, list. Shame. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. We should do shame books sometime. Just to, Mine is... The, I Feel free to shame me, but I think both of you will shame me on this one. The Hobbit. Um, yeah, I've never <laughs> read Lord of the Rings. He's never read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> No, oh, that's um, an inside my, joke. My book has, is, go back and listen to all 200 episodes <laughs> and you'll get it. Those are the best inside jokes, the ones that only work if you... My book is anything by Shel Silverstein. I have never, yeah. ever read a single Shel Silverstein. And every year I talk to students about like enjoying poetry, and I make the case that they should enjoy poetry, that poetry can be enjoyable. And I ask them, what is your favorite poem? And invariably, people say... This is like somebody always says there's a Shel Silverstein. And I just, yeah. I missed it. Yeah. And my childhood was more or less like a light indoctrination into Shel Silverstein. Right. You know, like I was forced to sit on my mother's lap as she read over and over and over. Well, like, like this is a book that I've wanted to read a really long time. Like, honest to God, it's been a hole in my heart since I was in sixth grade and like wondering what the heck I was missing out on. Um, It kind of bubbled back into my consciousness uh, maybe a year ago or so. It features a little bit in uh, one of the story arcs of Ted oh, Lasso. Yeah. I know <laughs> why I know this. Uh-huh. <laughs> this was turned into a terrible remake. That it was got also- man. And, the uh, movie got movie. skewered, man. Yeah, yeah I think it was it just was. an enormous flop, too, financially. The book was one, or the movie was one where they cast, they cast a, they cast a black person in Oprah. the main role. Was a, there was something o- about. Oprah's in the, it. The racists got all, all up in arms because in this it? character who we always imagined was white is in fact played by a black actress and oh. a black actor. <laughs> and that was like a big hinge point. She was white in my head. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then it came out and the biggest issue is not at all anything to do with race, but the fact that the movie was bad, <laughs> but it's hard like, when this happens because there's always the question of, well, did they, is the movie legitimately bad or are all these critics racist? Mm-hmm. No, it, but, but from everything I've read, it does seem I like heard it was really bad. Like, it seems really, bad. yeah, from everything I've read, really bad. Okay, so Nick, I read a book this week that I, you know, it's, it's meant for children. It's meant for sixth graders. I haven't read it. I've always wanted to. And this week I read it. And I am here to report that it has a lot of really cool stuff in it. Uh, Nick, can I break you off some of the cool stuff in it? Do you want to tell us about the plot first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Overarching plot is there are three kids, um, a sister. She is our protagonist and a brother. So, so a sister and brother. Um, the sister's probably like 12, 13 years old. The brother's like a very precocious eight-year-old. There is a lanky friend, like an athletic kid who doesn't really fit in with the athletic kids, right? I love that descriptor. 
Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's described as lanky. There's a lanky friend, and that brother and sister, their parents are scientists, and dad has gone missing, and he's oh, been no. missing for a while. And Nick, the thing he was studying, like the the science that he was doing, isn't strictly science science, it's very science fiction science. He was trying to develop what's called a tesseract. And a tesseract, I think this is something oh. that comes up in science fiction from time to time. Hold on, pause. Mm-hmm. Is that is that language is not marvel is it was this first uh vernacular first uh dawned here in this book or okay was a tesseract invented in a wrinkle in time yes i i have no idea do i look like (laughs) how would i know that i don't know it's it's a really valid (laughs) it's a really specific question how do you spell it Um, i'm I'm looking it up i'm looking it up right now i'm looking up right now first used in uh 1888 by a british mathematician no is the answer, Joe. No, absolutely. So she's a not. thief. It's way older. She's nope, nope, nope. Dad is a scientist. He's developing the Tesseract. And the Tesseract is a, a tool, a scientific instrument that is going to allow him to travel through time and space. Great. What a yeah, great invention. Sounds, <laughs> yeah, except it's been it, dad's been missing for a while. That's now. way better than the dad from Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start comparing everything to Flubber, please. Okay. And, the, and so their dad invented time travel. Their dad invented a, a tool to travel in time. Yes. That's good. He has since gone missing, um, possibly related to this tool, and the kids <laughs> go looking for him. Now, they don't know how to time travel is the problem. So, like, there's all sorts of great... Um, science fiction-y fantasy stuff in here. Like, there's three witches that live in their neighborhood. And they're not witches. Like, they're not introduced like that. They're just three eccentric old women that live in their neighborhood that wear crazy clothes. Is this like a fish out of water? Are these like normal kids in a normal house whose dad invented time travel? Or is this kind of like a mystical world in which... I can also time travel. Yep, this is, no, this is normal kids, normal-ish kids in a normal house. Um, Okay, so just like Flubber. Just like Flubber, yeah. Like they live in suburbia. They live in. Yep, they live in suburbia, and their dad invented time travel. So on the front uh, page, uh, the front cover of this Mm -hmm. book, the original cover, um, it looks like some sort of acid trip going on. There is an mm-hmm. armless a 60s, centaur bro. with wings yeah. mm-hmm. uh, who looks like the Silver Surfer. And then mm-hmm. there is a, a half floating head in a bubble. And they look like they're on the planet of Mars. So that brings me to some of the really cool stuff <laughs> in this Excellent. book. Yep. There, are, there is a flying centaur. And the kids, Nick, oh, look, they're on a Segway. They ride on the back of that flying <laughs> centaur in this book. Oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this does not happen on Earth. This happens in like a different planet and dimension. Um, there in the are, movie Flubber, they put the Flubber in a car and then they just drive around by flying the car. That's good. Do you guys Flubber, remember the movie Flubber? I, I think Flubber is a source of perpetual motion. This week brought Excellent. to you by Flubber. Joe, are you going to just list off um, things that you like to buy? Centaurs that fly. One. What? Flubber, too. There's aliens who are super alien. Like, they have featureless faces, they have tentacles, they have four arms, they're covered in fur. There's long discussions about how they perceive reality um, when, like, they don't have eyes or ears or things like that. Did you know plants? They just discovered that plants can see? 
and like sense humans. I hate, I hate that. Wait, plants can plants, see? It was always like if I needed to be cruel or evil, I would mm-hmm. always take it out on the plants because what are the yeah. plants can do? Look at me. Oh, but my now, God. Oh, are you filled with guilt all of a sudden right now? Are you like, yeah. it's retroactive guilt. Trace? This is bad. Or, well, think about like chopping up a head of lettuce for dinner. Well, you can buy at the grocery store, you can buy a living head of lettuce. It's still got dirt and roots and everything. Those That's things. funny. It really gives whole new meaning to head of lettuce, doesn't it? I am <laughs> dismembering them live. I'm vivisecting them. Right. What if it screamed? Right. What if lettuce could scream? That, that, that's we it. That's much it right of it. there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Probably not. Uh, those witches that I mentioned earlier, there's three of them, and they're actually like extraterrestrial beings on Earth in disguise. Uh, one cool thing, the youngest of the three is a billion years old, and before nice. she was a witch, she was a star. But, like nice. a star. Like she had planets that orbited her. <laughs> like Oprah. So, uh, <laughs> what? Okay, stop spoiling things that happen in the book. So, what, what, is well, well, one second, finding- Nick, I would like to point out that those are not things that happen in the book. Those are just things that are in the book. Exist, that, right. That exist okay. in the book. Yeah. So is the, the, the premise is them saving dad? Yep, the premise is them saving dad. They, and they get getting some into help wild something. hijinks? There so, are certainly wild hijinks. That is true. Tell, tell me about time travel. I'm always interested in how the time travel mechanism mm-hmm. uh, in, in new sci-fi. So yeah. how does time travel work? I think I can, I can take this one based on my memory of the book. Perfect. Okay. As I understand it, in this, in this book, time travel is a big ouchie. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say, Joe? Mm, you know, they're going to do to elaborate on big ouchie. Like, it's just a big ouchie. It's like physically unpleasant when you travel in time. Yeah. For traveling in time is really hard to do. And people do, it, it is very taxing on people when they travel in time, which I kind of like. In what way? At one point, they they tesseract. They tesser, I guess is what they call it. At one point, they tesser, and the protagonist, our, our, our young lady, is seriously hurt, like needs to go into intensive care, and she just describes it like it, she almost like is in a coma when she comes out of it, and like she has a really slow heart rate and isn't really breathing. Like it just physically saps you when you travel in time. Um, Joe, I have a one-star review for you. Let's hear it. Let's break these off. <clears throat> from chickens mcshitterson one star <laughs> proposed taglines for this book an adventure of eye-rolling proportions a, spe- a spectacle of audacious redundancy science fiction at its worst a roller coaster that is a totally straight line a book that discusses the fifth dimension using a one-dimensional plot and one-dimensional characters <laughs> um it goes on but mm-hmm. i thought they were good taglines yeah, um, about the roller coaster is actually kind of clever. Like, I don't hate that one. Yeah, roller a roller coaster, coaster that's line. a totally straight line. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I like science fiction at its worst. <laughs> no, honestly, if I wrote a sci-fi book and that was the tagline that reviewers gave it, that's kind of good. Like, that's going on the people cover. Would, people would read that just to just to have read it. This book, when you read like online about it, when you talk to people about it, it's a book that holds a special spot in a lot of people's hearts. Like a lot of people really love this book. It's an important book. It's the sort of thing that people say, oh my God, if I didn't read that book when I read it, I would be a different person today. Reading it as an adult, I thought it fell a little bit flat. And I think some of those yeah. taglines that, that you talked about here... <laughs> I would, I would agree with, like, I think there's, a, I think like the characters in here are 
pretty wooden. Uh, the plot is kind of like weird and jumps around and and is difficult to follow. Um, the thing I put in my notes is we talk about unput downable books on this podcast a lot. This book, this book felt pretty put downable. Uh oh, like, that yeah, is like, damning right there. I would put this it is, down and really not right have here. a lot of like urge to pick it back up. But the weird thing about this book is it so often reminded me of other stories that I love with the same sorts of elements in it. Interesting. I found myself being like, oh, like this blend of like science and mysticism is so cool. Like it, it really reminds me of like in Star Wars and the force and blah, blah, blah. Right. Or like, oh, this like embodiment of evil like like this like dark embodiment of evil that they're fighting yeah it really feels like you know that this podcast also that i like etc no 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 etc <laughs> so the this book felt a little bit flat but this book also it predates so much of that media that we love. Like it predates Star Wars, it predates Harry Potter, it predates, you know, these things that it reminds me of. And I think this book in a lot of ways is the progenitor of ideas that have seeped out into the world, right? Ideas that have seeped out into the world that have been riffed on, that have been done really well, that have become things that we love so much. Joe, do you feel like, mm, this is hard to say because it would require you to time travel yourself. Do you feel like you would appreciate this book more if you had read it before you had consumed all that other media? Yeah. Like if, if you, you had been able to, if you to, had, yeah, taken I mean, advantage you, of that opportunity. Yeah, you didn't screw right it up so hard, Joe. What I'm really asking is, I have I have a, a child, right, who is um about five and a half months old. Do I need to read it to her? Tonight, well, yeah. well, maybe not the five and a half month old, but you also have like a four year old. How he's old is your other half. child? He's, he's two, two and a half. half. I have yeah, no idea whatever. how it's old fine. kids are. Yeah, yeah. He's, he he talks. How involved in each other's lives do we really need to be? <laughs> not that involved. <laughs> you have multiple children. Okay. I do wish I read this book when I was young, right? The thing about it, though, is I think this book would actually be kind of hard for a sixth grader to read. Like, I think. Mm, interesting. I, so it's this weird space that this book exists in where I think you have to read it young, but I also think it's challenging to read. I think it's a pretty popular, like, classroom read aloud book. You know, like a sixth grade teacher reads it to their class. And, and I think that would be a really cool thing. Um, Madeline Lingle actually talks about this a little bit in the foreword or the introduction to the to the version that I had. And she said, when I wrote A Wrinkle in Time, I wrote it, like, I kind of tested it on my kids. So I would write a chapter, and then that night, I would read that chapter to my kids. And my kids were kind of the age that I imagined this for. You know, they were like 8 to 12 years old at the time. And she says, and my kids loved it. Like I kept writing and I kept reading the chapters to my kids at night because like they wanted to hear more, wanted to hear more. But when I started shopping this around to publishers, and by the way, I had a half dozen books published at this time. Like I had an audience at this time. I had published other books. Publishers wouldn't touch it. Like publishers really, really struggled with it. 20 plus rejections for this book. And, and the Which, feeling. Peanuts. That's nothing. Which, it's a, well, that's a, that's a, that's nothing if you're, if you're, it's not, it, it's, it's a, it's a number that you would hear from, um, a, in an, an early, like a, right. a, an early career author. When you're established, 
Oh, people she was aren't, established. People aren't turning you down at the rate of 26 for one book. Right. Like the, her publishers, like she has, she's written six books. She's published. She has an audience and her publishers that she talks to are going like, hey, this isn't it. Stinky, dude. stinky, yeah. stinky, stinky. And she said the thing, the thing that kept coming up, she said, is that everybody kept saying it's too hard for children. Right. This book is too hard for kids. It's too hard for kids, too hard for kids. And then she, of course, with the benefit of, you know, 50 years of hindsight when she's writing this introduction, like seeing this blow up into a a childhood classic, she says, this book is not too hard for kids. It's too difficult for grownups. Grownups tend to put themselves into these little rooms with windows that don't open and doors that are locked and they want to close themselves off to any new ideas. And you are ready and open for new ideas kids right uh, and new things and new places and excitements so i hope you enjoy this book is what she writes there and then it won a newberry and then and then it won the newberry that year. yeah yes. yeah that's great that's a great message for kids is this um uh is this skewed towards young girls at all though you said the protagonist is a young girl is that at all or is it just kids in general is no the other like- thing that a lot of people talk about that, that a lot of people really love about this book is there's a lot of um We've talked, Ian, you'll have to remind me what this is. What is the phenomenon where pulpy science fiction novels had like barely dressed women on the covers? What What is this called? I, I don't know what it's called. It's, that, that was just a thing. Like, that it was, was just a thing. That was, uh, that was widespread, yeah. Right. Like at when this book is written, I mean, this is 1960, right? When this book is written, science fiction is for boys, right? And it's and it's not just mm. for boys. It's very often for boys in a kind of like leering sort yeah, of way. Yeah, kind of titillating, yes. In a, yeah, kind of Creepy way. Sort, in a creepy sort of way. Here we have a, a cool, strong female protagonist as, you know, as the lead in this book about science fiction. And a lot of reviewers do talk about this as like a super important book for them. They're like, I saw a kid like me when I read this. And in 1962, there weren't kids like me. Like that wasn't what you were supposed to be. When I first read this or when I first listened to it, since we know audiobooks don't count per the, um, it's right in the, in our manual, it's right in the yeah. intro. Um, when I first listened to this, I loved it. And it wasn't quite unputdownable, but it was very much like I want to. I want to go on to the next one because um, she wrote sequels to this that don't yeah, pick up. Sequels. They don't pick up after. They don't continue the action like they they pick up on these characters later in their lives. I regret to report that this is the best of the. She wrote five of them. This is the best of them. the The, the rest are the rest are either boring or confusing to me. To me personally, yeah, this is my yeah, take: yeah. boring, confusing, or uh mildly problematic uh well, mildly problematic is pretty good for a famous author that's true right? now great great point great point <laughs> dodged a bullet there career win um, but this this is if you're going to read any langle read this because <laughs> how many are there done. there are five there's five in this like series and then she, and she wrote, wrote a bunch, a of, other bunch of other books too yeah. that's a good number in a series i mean anything past that is like stop well, and you don't see it very often. Like the yep, trilogy right. reigns supreme. You know, there's right. a lot of, you know, sequels. Or the, but- the quadrilogy where they mm. set out to write a trilogy and they accidentally yeah, they're like write an extra one. I got another idea. Or you <laughs> one, can do what Douglas more. Adams did. I think it was Douglas Adams with the Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, I think he said, I'm going to write, write a trilogy. And he just, it, it ended up being multiple more. Six, seven. Right. I think it's like six books. However, the 
great trick that he pulled is he continued to call it a trilogy until the day he died. A trilogy Despite having books. many Brilliant. more than three books. <laughs> Douglas Adams wins again. Joe. Yes? Welcome to Tiffany's. It sounds pretty good. Well, you weren't listening if you think that. <laughs> did, either of you, did either of you see the movie? No. I did, I did not know a movie existed until today. Not only, not only is it a flop, when I did my research just now, it said it's one of the biggest box office flops in history. Wow. Yeah, it lost like hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> Which is hard to do. I mean, Which is more than I, I have ever lost. lost. I would love to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. (laughs) Lidheads, if you want to support this podcast, the best thing you can do is tell a bookish friend. Um, I did this. I told a bookish friend about our podcast, and now she listens to it, and she said it was pretty good. So you can do this too. Um, You can uh, like us and subscribe us and share us on the podcast player of your choice. Spotify is a good place. Apple iTunes Podcast Music's Haven Station is another great place. That's their official name. Um, you can follow us on social media if you want, or just leave social media out of your life is another really good way to approach the world. Probably the best case scenario. Probably definitely Definitely. skew in that direction. If you have to be on social media, if it's the one place you should be is our social media pages where we post at best once a week. Sometimes twice though. Sometimes twice. Um, you can also check out our website, uh, (laughs) www.tweenvogue.com. That's, T-W-E-E-N-V-O-G-U-E dot com. We're definitely not going to get sued for that one. Nope, that's totally fine. <laughs> Linda, do you think I'm joking? I swear to you, on the grave of my... I on the grave of my hopes and dreams what that you, you type about? in tweenvogue.com and you will come to our website where you can request books for us to read. You can tell us what themes to do and you can request stickers. Uh, Lidheads, we love you. Please go read A Wrinkle in Time and don't judge Madeline Langle too harshly. Yeah, don't be like Joe. I, th- I, I thought mean, it was fun. I just so wish I read it when I was minded. a kid. He didn't like it then and he doesn't like it now, folks. Congratulations. <laughs> the words eminently put downable are the words he used. <laughs> I, I, it's true. That guy, no, read a quote ch- from that chicken book. Butt, that you chicken hate Butt so 2000 should have said eminently put downable is one of his taglines. All right. I, um, this is a book. This is a quote. This is a book where, um, Meg, our protagonist is realizing what she has to do. At last she turned to her father. I, I'm sorry, father. He took both her hands in his, he bent down to her with his short sighted eyes. Sorry for what Megatron tears almost came to her eyes at the gentle use of the old nickname. I wanted you to do it all for me. I wanted everything to be easy and simple, so I tried to pretend that it was all your fault because I was scared and because I didn't want to have to do anything myself. But I wanted to do it for you, Mr. Murray said. That's what every parent wants. He looked into her dark, frightened eyes. I won't let you go, Meg. I'm going. No, Mrs. Watson's voice was sterner than Meg had ever heard it. Mrs. Watson is one of our three witches. You are going to allow Meg the privilege of accepting this danger. You're a wise man, Mr. Murray. You're going to let her go. Mr. Murray sighed. He drew Meg close to him. Little Megaparsec, don't be afraid to be afraid. We'll try to have courage for you. It's all we can do. Your mother, 
Mother was always shoving me out into the world, Meg said. She'd want me to do this. You know she would. Tell her, she started, choked, and then held up her head and said, Never mind. I'll tell her myself. Good girl, Dad said. Of course you will.